Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast, core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. I'm Anand Swaminathan. And I'm Jenny Beckesme. Jenny, I thought we could cover a little bit of orthopedics today. What do you think about discussing femoral shaft fractures? I would love to do that because I have been really wanting to review some ortho for myself recently. Perfect. So when we talk about the femoral shaft, we're talking about the portion of the bone from the lesser trochanter to the femoral condyles. We're not talking about fractures of the knee or the hip. These are common in older people with minor trauma like falls from standing. In younger patients, though, you see these with high energy trauma. So typically MVCs are falls from height. The femur receives most of its blood supply from the profunda femoris artery, which is often injured in these breaks and can result in significant blood loss. The sciatic and femoral nerves are rarely injured in these fractures as the muscles in the thigh are going to protect them from injury. So that's good news. These fractures aren't difficult to diagnose. You're going to see them just on visual inspection as the patient's leg is going to be shortened and grossly swollen. The patient will obviously have tenderness to palpation, and the compartment can be quite tense due to hemorrhage. This diagnosis is easy, but it's hard to take your eyes away from it when you see it. The real key is to make sure you don't get distracted by this obvious injury and that you fail to do a full trauma survey. In all patients, young or old, you've got to look for other injuries, head trauma, abdominal or chest trauma, and other extremity trauma. Additionally, you could have ipsilateral femoral neck fractures that can be seen in up to 10% of these patients. So you've got to keep keep that in mind as well. That's a fantastic point. I think it really applies to all gross orthopedic injuries. Always think about the other injuries. Always do that full trauma survey. I've seen many cases where a less obvious extremity injury was missed, and even worse, when a significant head, cervical spine, or thoracic or abdominal trauma had been missed. Additionally, we've all been taught that long bone fractures, particularly femur fractures, can lead to hemorrhagic shock. The average blood loss, the average blood loss in patients with femur fractures is about a liter, but you can lose up to three liters into that compartment. So always think about blood loss into a femur fracture when that's there, when the patient's shocky. Let's say you've got a case where you've done your trauma assessment and there's nothing else that pops up. What's next? Well, this is ortho, so of course we're going to need to get some imaging. But even before that, we need to take care of the patient's pain. These are obviously extremely painful. I I literally cannot imagine what breaking this bone must feel like. Often the patient is going to present in a hair traction splint that EMS put on, and these can help actually to manage the pain. So you can leave the patient in this if you'd like to help control some of their pain. If they have one of these on, you can then keep them in it while you get their x-rays and while you get them some other analgesia. The typical approach to managing the pain here is with an IV opiate, but there are other options. I prefer doing a femoral nerve block in these patients. It's something that's well within our scope of practice, provides excellent analgesia, and has minimal systemic effects if done properly. Particularly in older patients, I've seen the issue of giving 2 milligrams of morphine and getting no significant pain control, and then giving them 4 milligrams of morphine and the patient's apneic. There's a very small therapeutic window. Ultrasound-guided femoral nerve blocks are great for femoral shaft fractures. Make sure to do a good neuroassessment prior to doing the block, and always make sure to calculate your toxic dose of the local anesthetic prior to injection so you avoid the local anesthetic systemic toxicity syndrome. And finally, be aware of where your antidote is. Intralipid is your antidote. It should be somewhere in your hospital. You should know how to get it, especially if you're using bupivacaine. We'll drop a video reviewing femoral nerve blocks in the show notes for you to review. Now, once you've got good analgesia on board, it's time to get your films. At a minimum, we should be getting an AP pelvis, AP lateral hip, femur AP, 
and lateral and knee trauma series. Additionally, if you've got suspicion for hip fracture that doesn't really show up on these plane films, you can consider getting a CT of the hip and pelvis to further look for that fracture. Once you've got those images, get your orthopedic surgeon on board since almost all of these patients are going to need surgery, with the exception of those who are particularly high surgical risks. Jenny, how about some take-home points? First, femoral shaft fractures are commonly associated with multiple injuries, including a femoral neck fracture. So always do a full exam and obtain appropriate imaging. Second, do not get distracted by that obvious injury. These look bad, but you need to look everywhere else. Always remember to do your complete thorough trauma evaluation. And then last, femoral nerve blocks are effective for pain management and have less side effects than systemic analgesics. So think about doing that instead for your older people with their hip or femur fractures. That's all for the Core EM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up on Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter where our handle is at core underscore EM. Thanks and see you all next week.